0: the delicate inner parts of my body and knitted me together in my mother's womb. That's Psalm 139, verse 13. As a theologian, I guess I consider myself one of those. As a theologian, we consider this what we call a proof text. And what that means is there's proof in the Bible for a specific topic. And this particular topic says a lot And it's something I don't talk a lot about, but I want to share with you today. This actual topic talks about God molding and shaping us and making us in the mother's womb. From that moment of conception, from that time that the child and and the embryos all work together, God made and is there in the midst. But here's the thing. We come to this place and we, we know that, we hear that, we talk about it. But there's a lot to talk about here. And uh, what I want to say before I say anything else is, this is a biblical statement that I'm going to say, not a political statement. That God is in the womb from the beginning. And it's a proof text to tell us that he is there and there is a right to life. And how he creates and molds that is not my job and, and my plan to change that, mold that, or get rid of it. And it grieves me. Such a hard time for me to talk about this because my wife could hear my breathing this morning, which was off. Because this is such a hard thing, because church, this is proof, this is true. And this is how we are to live. We need to get involved. If you believe in right to life, then let's make sure that we are for uh, uh, adoption, for foster care, that we're working at the pregnancy centers. But also, here's the, here's the but with me. There's always a but. Do you guys ever know that about me in my teaching? I always flip the thing and upside down and it's like, what is it like for those that have had an abortion? And the reason why I bring that up is I know several people, you guys know my past. I have a crazy past. And uh, I know several people that have it and I know how grieved they are about it. I know how destroying it is. And I don't wanna have a church that has a spirit of religiosity. I wanna have a church that has a spirit of love that can allow anybody, because if you've ever known anybody that's had an abortion, for whatever reason, you know how hard it is for how they feel about what they did. Not everyone but the ones that I know, and so I want to support this, but I also want to have the church open so that anybody who walks in knows that they are welcome and that God forgave them like he forgave me and he forgave you, but realize that God molded us from the beginning, and this is a right for us to celebrate life. And I love every part of that. Again, this is what the Bible says. This isn't a political statement. This is what God says. But here's what I want to do. It's hurt hurt me so much today. I don't know why. So will you guys just stand up for a second? Let me do something to help. It's more about me. I don't know if you guys know me. I'm pretty selfish. So this is about me. But here's what I want to do is will you guys intercede with me for our country and our world? But also for those that have maybe had an abortion that they could be healed and welcomed and part of the community, because this is a loving community. So, Father, we submit this time to you. And I pray, Lord, that we can reach our community for Jesus so that this culture and this world can change and they can see how God in his great power molded us and shaped us from the very beginning. I pray that we can understand that and we can share that and be a light on the hill that many can see. But Lord, I also intercede for those that have been in the other side of this and I pray that there is no condemnation, Romans chapter 8, in this church and there's no religiosity but there's openness so that we can experience your glory. Lord, I pray for forgiveness to come in the name of Jesus. Lord, we intercede on behalf of of our nation, behalf of our country, and our city, and our county. We ask for Jesus to rise, and we pray that we can lovingly teach this and show this because of who God is. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Thanks for being here today. Uh, Last week, uh, the ladies were gone, or uh, not all of them. There was a bunch of ladies here. But they went to Solvang for a retreat yeah, and my dear friend Michelle took him to Solvang, and the truth is, it was a wonderful time. I heard worship was great, messages were great, the uh, the time uh, in the uh, Solvang free time, right? That's what we heard uh, was great as well. But we're so grateful. But here's the thing: while the women were gone, I ate seven donuts. I'm just going to confess. <laughs> Today we're talking about body image, so I'm just throwing it out there, I ate seven donuts, I'm trying to lose weight. So, Lord, hear my prayer. (laughs) And I'd love to say that that's not true, but that was 100% true, I ate a ton of donuts. (laughs) So welcome. (laughs) How, How do we change the culture? We're talking about faith and culture. There's a faith culture, and then there's this culture in the world, and then there's this culture in the country, and I love this country. I do. And I love this state, and I love this county, and I love this city, and I love you guys. So how do we, thank you, how how do we change the culture? Well, you know what? God told us a long time ago, and we talked about it last week. If you weren't here and you missed the message, we talked about rules and all these rules in church. And here's what we ended off. There's one rule in the church, and it's love as the ultimate rule. Love God with everything that you are and love others as you would love them. Love others. You, how do you want to be loved? Love them because that's how we change the culture. The Bible talks about kindness leads to repentance. Religiosity leads to anger and frighting. But the Spirit of God wants us to bring uh, this kindness, this love offering to Camarillo. And it's not that other churches don't do it, but we are trying to perfect it. Love the world one person at a time. That is the mission that God has called us. And from loving that, as someone walks in here, they become a passionate world changer for Jesus Christ. How do I know this is true? Because that's what happened to me. Someone loved me, my mom and my dad and my family, but then other people at a church welcomed me with a record and you know, all my baggage and, and drama. And because of that, my life became changed. My world was radically changed. And that is our vision for you. You come in, you accept Jesus, and your world is radically changed. So how do we engage culture? The first way is by Love love them for the right to life. Love them to not shift and move what God has created. Love them that those who hate their body. And today we're going to talk about body image and honestly, I've never experienced what I experienced in first service. So I hope it's a little different here, but there there nobody moved for 40 minutes. I'm not kidding. So don't do that. It was scary. So today we're gonna to talk about body image. In the body image or body dissatisfaction, there's this concept of body dysmorphia that we'll talk about. And let me, again, I'm, I'm a very transparent person. I struggle with this. This is me. So again, I don't know if you've ever heard this before from me, you guys are in me preaching to myself today. I'm gonna to learn to preach and I'm gonna just share with you what God has done in my life and how I have to work through it. We all have some level of dissatisfaction with our body. Let me give you a body dissatisfaction definition. Body dissatisfaction is a component of a negative body image. This means having negative thoughts or feelings about one's body image. People who are dissatisfied with their body typically describe a discrepancy between what they really look like and their ideal body image that they desire. Um, When I was 12... Uh, I wanted to be six foot two. My mom laughs. That's not funny. <laughs> and she comes alongside to me and she goes, honey, it's not gonna happen. I'm like, why? I wish I knew God back then, because I'm like, God says anything's possible. What didn't happen? And so, but this is who I am. And here's the thing. And this is why first service was so Quiet. We are in a body image crisis, and the church isn't engaging it. So, we're dumb enough to do it. We talked about sex a couple weeks ago. We're talking about doubt last week. We talked about rules, and now we're talking about body image. What? Do you, what is the image? What does God want to do with your body? And how do we utilize it? That's what God wants us to talk about. We are in the middle of a body image crisis. There's no other way to put it. Men and women. Men and women are both dissatisfied with their body and the image that they have. And it gets worse. 2007, the World Health Organization, 2007, you know how long ago? It seems like it wasn't that long ago. 2007, there wasn't an iPhone. Okay, so that just tells you how long ago that was. But 2007, so the numbers probably be worse. Uh, the United States is the highest amount of overweight adults in the developed countries. That means people that have a huge economy. Number one, if you add the second and third uh, nations, second uh, and third developed countries, we're number seven. There's a few other smaller countries with a million or less that are above us, but we are in the middle of this. And so because we have this funky image of who we are, this is how we spend our money. I don't know if you guys have seen that. There's way more to this. But the first one is, is that we spend $33 billion a year on diet plans. Every new diet fad, new diet craze. I've been doing it since I'm 12. I didn't even know I needed to diet when I was 12 years old. But my mom has been so gracious to me to teach us. But we spend this every year. Not one year, I mean every year, 33. How about body care things? Hygiene, makeup, hair gel, all of that stuff, 30 billion. Plastic surgery, 20 billion a year. And we're gonna see how that impacts us a little bit later. And uh the last one 9 billion on gym membership they say 7 they said 7.5 or 7 750 million dollars of that are people that never go to the gym. Can I get an amen? And it doesn't even show. <laughs> really? So, here's some more numbers, and I'm just setting the stage for what God is gonna do in this. Here's some more numbers that you need to hear. Approximately 80% of US women don't like how they look. 80%, huge. 33% of men are dissatisfied with their body. That's me. Over 50% of Americans are unhappy with their current weight. That's 165, 170 million people at least are dissatisfied. Here it goes even more. 70% of normal weighted women want to be thinner. You know what normal weight is? I said this in first service, so I'm not gonna hold it back from you. But you know what normal weight means? That you're within the range you're supposed to be? And it says they wanna be thinner. And I'm gonna say it a little differently because I embarrassed myself first service. But uh, when I went to the doctor and he told me, oh, you're not in your normal weight, I said the last time I was in my normal weight when I was doing meth. So you don't want me to go back to that plan. So that town didn't work. (laughs) If I stick to the script, it's really good, I promise you. Here's the worst one. What does it do to our kids? 80% of our kids 10 years or younger also have this concept of feeling fat. This is the worst one out of all of them. Only 4% of the women in this world consider themselves beautiful. 96% then don't. And the last one is uh, more than half of the women globally, 54% agree that when it comes to how they look, they're their worst beauty critics. We tear ourselves down. We, We hurt ourselves just by the way we treat ourselves. You wouldn't let your friends treat you the way that you treat yourself. But there's good news. The good news is this, that our Bible offers a redemptive view of how our body should be. And that the kingdom of God and the instruction manual that he's given, when it's followed, gives us a view that is transformational, life-giving. And I want to bring that to you today. And I know this is an awkward awkward topic, but somebody here is here for a reason, if not multiple people. And if you're online, don't swipe, don't move. Just allow God to uh, um, speak to you. I just ask that the Holy Spirit moves right now. So where does it start? In the beginning, right? In the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, I got it on my shirt, but it's also in the Bible, verse 26, here's what it says. It says, God said, let's make human beings in our image. Our image, so there's more. But then in verse 27, which you have up on the screen, here's what it said. So God created human beings, and I want you to repeat this, in his own image. If that's all you got today, if that's all you can remember, and I promise there's a lot more to that, you have been created in his image. In that womb where, where God at concept was there building in the image. So what you have here, like it or not, this is who you are. And he's built you specifically for a purpose. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them, all of us, in his image. Here's the thing, until I understand in his image, until I begin to make that part of who I am, I really don't have the relationship that I want with Jesus Christ. I struggle with that relationship because there's this less than theology or mindset that the enemy loves. And he loves to spin you in this. My identity, my image of who I am, my body image is all tied to in his own image. And when I allow that to rest and settle in my heart and soul, then I have the ability to then build something far beyond anything that I can imagine in my own life. But a lot of times we only give God 80%, 90%, 95%. I'm going to give him 99%, but that 1%, I love to have my own little vices. Well, that's not going to get you where God wants you to go. So that brings us to our first point. I got seven points today. God has created you and your body in his image like it or not. This is what you get, like it or not. This is his plan from concept. Now, when I was reading and praying, and I I wrote this note in my phone, and here's what I said to myself, and I'm making it for you. It says, having faith in God with regards to body image might be the hardest thing a Christian has to do. Because I wake up every day and I have to deal with this body. And look at this body and shave and comb and brush teeth and all that stuff. But I have to deal with what our body image is. Now, everybody struggles with this. How do I know? Has anybody gotten older? You could be in great shape at 30 or 25 and then you get to 55 and 60. And even though you're in great shape, you got wrinkles and stuff and you're like, what in the happened? So we know that we deal with this, and so this might be the hardest thing that a Christian needs to do, but all people, it's not just Christian, but I've gotta have faith that God has created this plan and that my mind, my body, and everything, a part of it is God's plan, and there's something that I need to do with that, day in and day out, or I'm gonna let it drag me down into the abyss and be dissatisfied and discontent I must trust that God gave me this body for a reason. And in this body, I've got an arm issue. I've got eye issues. I had a heart attack on stage several years ago. I made it through. I didn't fall. But I did have to go to the ER afterwards. There's all kinds. I could list 20 things that I'm not happy about. But God gave me this vessel for whatever reason, like it or not, for me to utilize while I'm on this earth. Waiting and in transport going to heaven. But the enemy, he's got you right where you want you. It's attacking your image, attacking your identity. How do I know that? Go back to the garden. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about doubt. And in the garden, uh, Satan brought doubt into the world. And Eve's like, well, yeah, maybe he's right. And they took a bite of the, the fruit. And you know what happened from the moment that they bought fruit? The body image was attacked. They, they, they hid their private parts. And shame and guilt and, hey, I'm naked. And God says, who said you are? Who said there's a problem with your body? And in that moment, we have been fighting to get back to that place with God. With our image. And so we need breakthrough. The Apostle Paul writes a text in 1 Corinthians 6 and I'm just gonna walk through the text and hopefully it'll speak to you. I know that it spoke to me this week. So let's just go to Corinthians and let's read a little bit and see what it has. In the middle of the chapter, it says this. You say I am allowed to do anything but not everything is good for you. Even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Father, use this day. Father, intercede on behalf of someone online. And I know there's people in this room. I pray that the spirit of God is so powerful that you resurrect us from ashes to life. From death to victory in Jesus Christ. Help us overcome right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you a slave? The Bible wants me to be a bondservant or a slave to Jesus Christ. My ear pierced and say I'm connected to him. That's what the Bible wants me to be, but are you a slave to this world? Because most of us are. Christians all over the world are praising Jesus, hallelujah on Sunday and Monday, are a slave to this world and to this culture. And so we are trying to break free and create passionate world changers. So let's talk about body dissatisfaction. Here's a list. I don't know if you guys have any of these. I first service a bunch of people like, I got all of them. So if you're like them and me, you probably got a lot too. Here's what it is. This isn't a a list, but in this list, there's this concept. Body dissatisfaction also talks about body dysmorphia. Dysmorphia is is a disease on how you feel about your body. It's unhealthy. And it's And happening a lot so here's some some ideas being extremely preoccupied with a perceived flaw in appearance that no one else sees big issue we all have it I, I do it all the time oh man this is a big part of my life and nobody else and so this morning I didn't sleep well so I'm putting black eye cream remover here and right here at work well oh, thank you guys A strong belief that you, you are ugly and disformed. This is body dysmorphia. That you just don't like who you are and you're deformed. There's people that look in the mirror and feel this every day. That's why I said it's the toughest issue for a Christian and non-Christians to deal with. Belief that others take special notice of your appearance in a negative way or to mock you. You walk in and like everybody's looking at me. They're laughing at what I wear and how I look. Attempting to hide and perceive flaws with styling, makeup, and clothes. I didn't even add clothes. Clothes is a whole nother level of how much money we spend to hide. But this is one of those things that we talked about. We, 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 we build clothes. I, I have a couple shirts, and everybody, every time I wear it, like, man, you look really skinny. I'm like, it's because it costs $400. <laughs> the, the, the actual clothes divert you from actually what it really looks like underneath. right? That's the idea here. Uh, constantly comparing, other, co- comparing your appearance with other people. Thank you, social media. Thank you, iPhone and Samsung and Android. Swipe, swipe, oh man, they're in the Belize Islands. They're uh, in Spain. Wow, look at how much weight they've lost. Wow, look at how that filter made them look today. We got filters to make me look like I'm 20. And then you see me in person like, wow, you got jacked up from yesterday, didn't you? (laughs) One day, life's hard in ministry. You could be jacked up. So social media has its prongs from the enemy into our heart. And we judge constantly. Frequently asking Liz, do I look fat in these jeans? Oh, it says, frequently seeking reassurance about your appearance from others today. I asked Liz this morning. That's who I am. I I wish this wasn't about me, but it is. Having a perfectionist tendency. You know, in our world today, the culture says sex sells, right? Sex sells, sex sells, sex sells. We don't want to say that in church, but if I just put something sexy, uh, people will click on it. We see it all the time. It's called clickbait. And it sells. And the media and the pop culture has really bought into this. And because of that, we struggle. And the enemy has, has us right where we want. You know what I'm really excited about? Is in about the last five years, a bunch of actors and actresses and, and supermodels have started posting real pictures without all the airbrush. That makes us feel a little bit normal because then it's like, oh, you aren't perfect. And they also have a, tr- a struggle. If you, t- if you have heard any of the interviews, they see themselves and see this perfect airbrush on a thing and they're like, that's not me. And they, own, they have it as an own, their own uh, enemy kind of destroying them. Last one, seeking cosmetic procedures still with little satisfaction. We spend tons of money on cosmetic. I'm not talking about just plastic surgery we're talking about all the other stuff all these other procedures and it's still not enough it doesn't do enough because really we just need to remake from back to where we were 11 12 13 when our body was I guess what we perceive so the second point you need to know is I must not become a slave to things of this world this culture and the enemy the dark side of this world the darkness wants to lure you in to think that you have to become a slave to things of this world Verse 13, you say food was, not, was made for the stomach and your stomach for food. This is true, but someday God will do away with both. All that's saying is one day in heaven, the food that we have will be provided by God. It's not gonna be an issue. I'm not gonna have to worry about calorie counting. <laughs> Preach it, girl. I can't wait for that day. But you can't say that our bodies are made for sexual immorality. This is an interesting part of this chapter because it talks about food, which is where our craving comes from, and then it talks about the second craving that's probably even more that we don't like to talk about, which is a sexual craving. Our bodies were not made for sexual immorality. Today, what we think is, well, if I look good and act good, then even if I'm trying not to have sex with everybody, I want everybody to think that I'm sexy and cute, and then, you know, like, wow, look how cute that person is. But our body is not made for just sex. Jeremy did a wonderful message on sex and it says, sex is good, but it's not God. And my whole life shouldn't be wrapped up in my sex and my sexuality and who I am and what I am and what I think I am and what I should be. My body should be made as an offering to God. And here's what it says, they were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. And then it says, God will raise us from the dead by His power, just as He raised our Lord from the dead. Why is this in here? This, the third point of this is this, and someone needs to hear this today. Someone's hurting. Someone online right now is crying and broke it. The Lord cares about your body. He cares about your body. and he puts this conversation about the resurrection power in there for you to invite the resurrection power to pull you out of the abyss the abyss of how you view your body and your, your 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 life and your soul and your personality so that you can be pulled up so that you can have the resurrection power the same resurrection power that rose Jesus from the grave can pull you out of this body image issue and watch God's glory permeate so that you can become a light on the hill to other people. He wants to help with your image. Verse 15, do you, don't you realize that our bodies are actually parts of Christ? Do you not realize this has the spirit of God within it? That brings me to the third or fourth point. My body isn't made for me. If Christ is a part of me, then shouldn't Christ be the the purpose of my life? My body isn't made for me, but here's what we hear a lot of times. This is what I used to say. Well, I can do whatever I want with my body. I'm not hurting anybody else, the drugs and the alcohol and all the behavior. I'm not hurting anybody else. And you know what, 20 years later, I know the truth is I was hurting a lot of people. My parents, my sister, my family, my kids. I hurt a lot of people, but when we get into this attitude, I'm not hurting anybody of myself, and what I do with my body is my own place. That's not true. Whoever's telling you that's true is not true. We need to go back to the manufacturer. I don't take my Samsung back to Target or Coffee Bean and say, can you fix my phone? No. I take it back to the manufacturer. And then they say, well, send it back in and we'll get it to you in six weeks. I'm like, well, what am I gonna do for a phone? That's a whole nother topic. We'll get over that. But here's the thing. If you wanna go and have problems with your body, like I do, I need to ask God to invite into this situation. Go, what do you wanna do with this body? It's, it is true. You can do whatever you want. You can manipulate your body. You can cut it. You can tattoo it. You can pierce it. You can do all kinds of sexual things. But the text says, It's not beneficial. You can't build off of that because now your life is just about that and not what it was made for. You can't build off a body that you are trying to recreate in what you want versus recreate for what God had created you for. Here's another tough part. Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it with a prostitute? Hmm. No. No. Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one with their body? We can call, uh, in a theological kind of spiritual way, call it a soul tie. You're tied to a soul from another person. But listen, I was raised in the age generation. Um, I, I graduated in the late 80s and the way that they were teaching about sex education at that time i don't know if you, i don't know if they're doing it today but i know for 13 years when i was 17 to 30 i heard this over and over and this was how they taught it in high school that this is it that be careful of who you have sexual encounters with because whoever they encountered before you you're encountering with them that's how they were talking about it it's like whoever they're with you're going to be a part of in any type of sexual activity And that's what it's talking about here. You are tied to uh, somebody else. And so if you want to have a great relationship with someone, you can't be tied to someone else's soul. And it's talking about how we're connected. For the scripture says, two are united as one. And so we need to make sure that bond is strong and all the other things have been undone. But one who is joined with the Lord is one spirit within him. We are one with Christ. This should limit any of my sexual immorality, any of my negative body images, any of my ideas of restructuring or repurposing my life and my body for what I want out of it. I'm one with God and it should stop me, but it doesn't. Because I'm not satisfied. So here's the main point of the message. Write it down if you need to hear this, if this is actually making any sense to you. My body is God's tool to use, not mine to abuse. My body. And listen, I abused it for years because I didn't care, I was selfish. But now that I realize it's not my body to abuse, it's God's to use. And this is what I'm to have and understand in my relationship with God. This isn't about me. And you know what? I hate that. Because I want control. Verse 18, run from sexual sin. Run. Don't jog, don't walk, don't look back. You'll turn into a pillar of salt. Run from sexual sin. No other sin is, uh, is so, clearly, uh, so clearly affects the body as this one does. And it says, "For sexual immorality is a sin against our own body, sex. self, and sex becomes our mindset and our draw." And I don't know if you go back to Jeremy's message on it, you can hear it. It was about four weeks ago about the statistics of what it does to us. But that brings me to the next point, is sexual immorality is a sin against my, our body. It's a sin. I've got to deal with this and I've got to make it part of who I am or it's going to hold me back. And that's all my life is going to be. It's just about sex and sexual immorality and what I can do. And some people are like, well, I'll just do it with myself because then I won't harm anybody. But you're harming yourself. It's not helping you. And I get that's awkward. I get it. Verse 19, you guys ready for some good news? Please, Jesus. <laughs> Help us, Lord. Do you not realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who lives in you and was given to you by God. Look at the, Listen to these words. You do not belong to yourself. You can't change the manufacturer code. God bought you with a high price through Jesus Christ. You must honor God with your body. I have a friend of mine, he was in first service and he used to be a pastor. And he told me, man, th- 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 this was recent, last five or six or seven years. He's like, once I understood this, and he's like, I've read this verse 50 times in my Bible. But once I heard understood my body was a temple and the Holy Spirit kind of reigns in him, his body shape and everything changed because he started to treat it like an actual temple. And I'm like, well, that was cool. I remember having a hike with him and talking. And I'm like, I- that would be cool. It hasn't worked for me yet, but I'm still trying. But that's the idea is that it can take over and the Holy Spirit can control because that's what God wants to do in your life is to to take over and have room and reign in your body. uh, Number six, the sixth point. My body is a temple of God. This is a vessel. I am a vessel. Remember, I had a pot and it was uh, broken and there was a light in it it shines through the crowd. This is the vessel that God has given me. Like it or not, this is it. It's not six foot two doesn't have the abs of steel it's more the abs of taco but it's close <laughs> but this is what god has done and you know what i'm built for do you guys know if i go back to the manufacturer and i ask in the bible or and to god you know what he's going to tell me jeff all i want from you is a relationship that's it All I want is a relationship, this vessel connected to the greater vessel that created us, that's God. And then I can be complete and whole And the image of how I feel and my body and my mind, body, and soul and how I project myself into the world is about Christ and not about me. Point seven, we are worried about the outside of our body, but God cares about the inside more. And in some of your translations, it says, woe to you, but here it says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. And then he talks about how we feel. This is Jesus communicating to us about our body. He says, you are careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. He's talking about these people that walk in church with flowing robes of righteousness. Act as if. He's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but he's talking about church today. He says, but you are filthy inside, full of greed and self-indulgence and full about myself and my sexual activity. Until I work, I can only speak for myself on the inside of who I am with God, that's when I'll be complete. Otherwise, I'm just going to be lacking. Paul writes to Timothy, and I want you to hear my words. I don't, to, I don't want to soft sell this at all. Timothy, He writes to Timothy. He says, physical training is good. Physical training is good. Take care of yourself. But there's another part to it. But don't, hey, don't forget, take care of yourself. We're going to come back to that. But training for godliness is much better. Why? Because promising benefits in this life and life to come. He still wants you to take care of your body. He's not saying don't do, uh, don't take care of yourself. He's saying do both. Put headphones in, read your Bible, devote, do all kinds of things while you're working out, but make sure you're doing them. But don't put the physical fitness above your relationship with God. But make sure you take care of yourself. I said this at the beginning, having faith in God with regards to our body is a tough issue. It's a tough issue. And here's the thing. Do you know this? The culture, our society, let's just say Ventura County, forget everywhere else. Ventura County is looking to you and to me to have a, bo- a positive body image so they can have a positive body image and then not want to manipulate and mutilate what they're doing to their own body. But it has to start with someone that stands up and says, this is who I am and I'm comfortable in who I am. You know, at the beginning of the year, I always do this like re- evaluation. It's usually around March. I did it this year, and I was before I went to Israel. And at 10:15 every morning, I have this thing that reminds me. It says, "Jesus loves you, Jeff." Heart, yay. You know that what it says. It says that my body is an instrument for ministry, and I got to take care of my body. That means get off my butt and do something to make sure that this body's around because if I'm not healthy, then I can't do the ministry that God's called me to do. Does that make sense? That's what he wants us to do. So make sure we do that. Invite God, ask him. I I must trust God that he gave me this body for a reason and all the defects that I don't like. But he loves them. He loves every part of the goofy things that I hate. And I don't even know why. But he has a plan and its purpose there's seven things let's just go through them real quick god created you and your body in his image like it or not who says you can get to change anything about it and what i mean by change that doesn't mean i'm still going to take cholesterol medication you know why it's going to save me from another heart attack. I'm not saying not to take your medication. What I'm telling you is this is what God is, and if there's a solution and some, uh, something, then do what God has given you because that is part of God's plan, right? He's given it to us, so let's utilize it. Don't just get rid of everything and I'm just going to run. That's not what I'm saying. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Number two, I must not become a slave to things in Ventura County. I must not become a slave to Southern California and what I drive and what I look like. I must not become a slave to what my social media account says. I must not become a slave so that I look super cool and so that when everybody sees me, it's like, wow, you look really cool online, but man, you're jacked up in person. Seriously. I don't know who needs to hear this right now, but somebody does. Maybe it's me. The Lord cares about your body. He loves every part of it. Every part you hate, he loves. Number four, my body wasn't made for me. I hate that. I've got a couple complaints. I'm waiting for an email back. It's been years, still no reply. Check warranty manual is what it says. (laughs) Number five, sexual immorality is a sin against my body. If I want to be right with God, I've got to give him everything. You got to give him 100%, all in, 100%. There's nothing left. Love the Lord your God with it says everything, with everything that you are. The most awkward sexual stuff, love him. Give it to him. Number six, my body is a temple of God. The the church doesn't need a chapel and a temple and a perfect building. We can go outside. The church is a bunch of people coming with their temples, united by the Spirit of God, saying we are the church and we are the temple and we don't need anything but a group of people that believe to let the Spirit of God reign in the temple. My body is a temple. The Holy Spirit rests and reigns. Number seven, we are worried about the outside of our body, and I know I am. I am. I get it. But God cares so much about what's inside of me. He cares so much about who I am. Jesus wants us to know that. Clean the inside, and I promise the outside will go away. That worry about the outside, it'll go away. So here's some truths from heaven as we close today. And what this means is I read my Bible, and I know some texts that can bring a light to the heaviness about our body and how we are dissatisfied or about my mind, body, and soul and what I've been given and how I'm dissatisfied. Here's some truths from heaven. If you've ever met with me, I, I always use this verse for someone that's really struggling in their relationship and a lot of us struggle with our identity. What's your identity? Here's what I say. Let's open up to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And I, I remember doing a message just on this verse several years ago. And one of the girls that comes to the church was like, that day saved my life. Just by talking about this verse for 40 minutes. But here's what it says. For we are God's masterpiece. And I've talked to several people. And I'll just say this. Can you just say... I'm a masterpiece three times. So I'll sit with them and I'll tell them, can you say it? And I'll say, I'm a masterpiece. I'm a masterpiece. The way God created me, I'm a masterpiece. And when I can say that and believe it, I can be changed and renewed and that's what the text says is I'm a masterpiece God has given you and this is the masterpiece and he loves every part of who you are even though you hate every part of who you are and he says this he says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus not new outside new inside so the outside doesn't matter so that we can do good things that he has planned long ago. I want a relationship with you, Jeff. You're my masterpiece. And I want to use every broken part of your body so that the kingdom of God will grow in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is more than a feeling. This is a lifestyle about who I am. The God of the universe thinks this is a masterpiece And I'm learning to do the same. Another proof text about God forming us, this right to life. It says, your hands made me and fashioned me. He's in there moving and working and building so that this life is his. And whatever we do, it's not our job to do anything but to let it thrive. And here's what he says. Give me understanding to learn your commandments. Give me the ability to see who I am so that I can be a masterpiece and realize the manufacturer who wrote this manual loves me and cares for me just the way I am. And here's the beginning, and I'm gonna complete the verse. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Humans make things complex. God simply loves you and your body. And then this is the part of understanding your identity. says, your workmanship is marvelous. And this is what I need to learn to say each and every morning. Lord, your workmanship is marvelous. How I know it well. Your body is a tool for God to use. It's not a tool for you to abuse. And here's some application and by God into the way you feel about yourself. Ask him. I know what he told me, and I'm working on it, but give him access, and if you follow what he believes, you will see the change in your own life spilling out. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Father, I know someone here has had their mouth wide open and their heart spoken to, and I pray that that person online and the handful of people here that need to hear this, Lord. I pray that your spirit moves powerfully and throughout the week and the month and the year that I learned that I'm a masterpiece for you. And we love you, Lord. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know you or is disconnected from you here or online, I pray that they say a simple prayer. Romans chapter 10, nine and 10, confessing with their mouth, believing in their heart. And we do it as a prayer. And all you have to do is repeat this after me. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart and soul and be my Lord and Savior. You died upon the cross for me and this body. And you rose again so that I can be with you in eternity forever and always. I give my life to you, Holy Spirit. Teach me and help me and walk with me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.